0: 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Well, it's a delight to be with you and uh, so thrilled to be back here in Minster, Ohio. And uh, I had the privilege of being here back a while ago. And I want to thank this church for supporting my brother in France uh, for many, many years. And uh, God's really using Tim and Elizabeth there and uh, Pete as well. And uh, just thankful for God's provision. Thankful to be here and asking God to bless your revival coming up. Uh, What a thrill that is to come to a church and have a concentrated effort on on really walking with God and and experiencing the power and miracles that God can perform. Don't you believe that everybody that gets saved is a miracle? Amen. And uh, we certainly uh, want to do our best Uh, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is reconciling lost men to God, and he uses us to do it, and I think that's an honor. He could write it in the sky if he wanted to, couldn't he? But instead he says, uh, I'd like you to go out and represent me. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, we, we must take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. And I'm praying that God will bless that revival. Let's stand together as we read the scripture. I'm taking my text from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to draw your attention to verse 5. The Bible says, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Boy, that's strong language, isn't it? But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Verse 7, Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, But that ye should do that which is honest. And then he uses a little irony irony here. And he says, though we be as reprobates, for we can do nothing against the truth. Notice, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. And this also we wish even your, what? That's a statement. He's wanting to see the Corinthian church walk perfect before the Lord. That's a high order, isn't it? You say, I can't attain unto it. Well, we, we take our lives and we work at it. Amen? We are perfect in Christ. We are complete in Christ. But we work at perfecting our lives for the Lord Jesus. Because if we work at perfection... We will be a greater testimony to those that are in this world. Let's pray together, may we? Our Heavenly Father, we ask your anointing upon this sermon, upon this message. Touch our hearts, God. Do a great work here at at, uh, Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. Fill these dear people with the power of your spirit. Have your will and your way today in each life in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth in the second epistle. Many of you are familiar with the first epistle to the Corinthians. He said to them, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. You couldn't handle it. He called them carnal. Some of them are saying, well, I'm of Paul. And others said, I'm of Apollos. And some someone said, I'm of Cephas. And some were so spiritual. They said, I am of Christ. He said, there's division among you. And throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with the issues of sin within the congregation. By the time you get into cha- in the second epistle to the Corinthians... You'll find that he's complimenting them that they have been successful in learning and growing in the Lord. They matured in the Lord. Oh, that's a beautiful thing when people begin to mature in the Lord. In fact, if you think you've matured, you're not. When you you know you're nothing, then you are maturing. We've got to come to that place where Christ is everything. Like, the, like John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. Christ is to be seen, not us. Well, we come to the very end of this second epistle to the Corinthians, and he makes an, a statement that kind of shocks me because he's talking to born-again, baptized, Believers in the church at Corinth. And here's what he says. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. You say, what's he doing? Why would he say that? And I got thinking about it. As I look over the spectrum of believers, so-called Christians, I'm wondering how many of them really possess Christ. George W. Truett, the pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, said, I fear that maybe up to 70% of my congregation are not confident in their salvation experience. Does that shock you a little bit? See, anybody can say they're a Christian, but there must be evidence to prove that you are. Let me illustrate it to, about myself. I grew up in a preacher's home. At age six, an evangelist named Dr. Throgmorton came to our church and preached a hot message on hell. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting about three rows back. I'm brought under deep conviction. I don't want to go to hell. At six years old, I was like, man, I want to go to heaven. So when the invitation came, boy, I got out of my seat and came to the altar. But nobody dealt with me. Nobody came up and said, Daniel, why'd you come forward? Boy, don't forget that. Because I would have gotten saved that day. I know I would have. So my life goes on as normal. And um, when I'm 14 years old, my dad's in the bathroom shaving. He has white shaving cream all over his face, a razor in his hand. And uh, he heard me come in. He said, Is that you, Daniel? And I said, Yes. And so he came around the corner. I'm sitting in the living room. He came around the corner, shaving cream all over his face, a razor in his hand. He said, Daniel, I've never seen any evidence that you're saved. And I went, I don't either. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it. And after my dad left, I got thinking, I don't believe I can remember when I really got saved. So I got my Bible out. I was a, primary te- a, a teacher for primary boys. I'm 14 years old. My dad's got me teaching Sunday school. Can you believe that? I'm not even saved. So I got my Bible out, and I led myself to Christ in the rocking chair in our cottage on Round Lake in Sonora, New York. Man, I was excited. And uh, Dad came home that night, and I said, hey, Dad, guess what I did? He goes, what, son? I think he was still peeved at me about something. I'm not sure. I don't think he held grudges, but he looked at me like, what? What'd you do now? No. (laughs) I said, I got saved. He said, we'll see. Isn't that a wonderful thing to say to someone that just got saved? I thought he'd give me a ring and... Slay the fatted calf and give me a robe. And he just said, We'll see. Oh, I'm so glad he said that to me. You know why? Anybody can say they're a Christian, but if you really know Christ, you won't be ashamed of him. And I want to tell you, I began living for Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it was wonderful. I truly was born again. I say, examine yourself. Now, I'm going to give you seven different words that begin with the letter C that take us from the beginning of when God spoke to you until the end. I want you to write these down. Write these down. Number one, the word commence, or the word we get commencement. When a person graduates from high school or graduates from college, they call it a commencement. Some people, I think the students think, well, I'm, I finished it, I'm done. But the word commence means beginning. You're just getting started now <laughs> to live in your life. Now now you've gotten equipped in whatever uh, business you want to be in or whatever. Uh, now, now it's time for you to, to put what you've learned into practice. Now, when did God commence his work in your life? Oh, I wish I had time to just interview every one of you and say, when do you remember God first convicting you of your need to be saved? Well, I was six years old at the altar. I was 14 the second time God dealt with me, and thank the Lord I got saved. That's the commencement. That's the beginning of God speaking to you. Now, some of you, most of you did not get saved the first time you heard the gospel. How many of you got saved the first time you heard the gospel? Raise your hand. One, two. That's about right. That's about right. Some of you were talked to ten times. Some, some of you listened to thousands of messages before you got saved. That was me. I mean, when you're a preacher's kid, you kind of like need to go to church. Amen. (laughs) You know, lost preacher's kids don't want to go to church, but saved ones do. (laughs) There is a difference. And the truth is that when God saved me, he changed me. That brings me to number two. The second thought I want you to notice, not only did he commence to do a work in us, but then we saw changes take place in our life. I I changed I, I started enjoying the things of God, not enduring them. And, uh, you know, I heard message, thousands of messages and, and so forth and so on. But when, when God moved in, all of a sudden I, I, I saw changes taking place in my life. I take my text right there uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new what? Creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I think some people need to quit committing their life to Christ and just get saved. Amen. There was a lady, I was was preaching in a church up in Maine, and I shared my testimony how I got saved. This lady came up to me after the service, older lady. She's probably in her 60s, 70s. I'm old now. I'm 61. Chris and I were talking about how old everybody else is. And then we, then we asked how old each other were. And we go, oh, man, we're old now. This is not good. But it's interesting that this lady came up to me and she said, Brother Knickerbocker, she said, I listened to your testimony and my testimony is almost identical to yours. She said, I was in the church, grew up in the church as a little kid. And she said, I love my pastor and his wife, and I helped in any way that I could. Man, I got to the place where I was organizing VBS and working with the teachers. Now, this is when she got a little bit older. And she was an active, dedicated, sold out church member. One Sunday morning, her preacher's up there preaching. And the Holy Spirit said, You're not saved. What do you mean I'm not saved? She hit the altar and the church went into shock. They couldn't believe it. She came forward, the pastor came down and said, Why'd you come forward? She said, I'm lost. What? You're lost. She said, I am not saved. I've been doing all this for you. Mm -hmm. Hello. I've been doing all this for you. She got saved. She said, keep giving your testimony because that's exactly what happened to me. And that encouraged her. You know something? There must be a change in your life when you become a child of God. It's not something you can muster up. I'm not talking about reformation, reforming yourself. There are alcoholics that have reformed themselves and no longer drink. I'm not talking about reformation. I'm talking about a transformation that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit that brings conviction to your heart, convinces you you're lost, converts you, and puts you in his family. And then you begin to see confirmation. Wow, that person's life has changed. They don't do the things they used to do. They have an interest in spiritual things. They're expecting God to do something now because they've experienced the miracle of the new birth. Number two, number three. So we have commence. Number two, we have change. Number three, we have confessing. Confessing that you're a Christian. Confessing that you're a Christian. Would you take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. This is an interesting statement that Jesus made. In Matthew 10, 32, the Bible says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me, notice, before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. I like that. If you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Isn't that a beautiful verse? So what do you you think the first thing you ought to do? Confess him publicly. Amen. I've seen people get saved and man, they they start telling everybody what Jesus did. They literally believe a miracle took place. They, they were hell bound, now they're heaven bound. They were lost, now they've been found. Oh, it's exciting to confess your faith and to share your faith. I want you to notice also what Jesus said in verse 33. Look at verse 33. It says but whosoever shall deny me before men him will i also deny before my father which is in heaven. Wow, that's a scary verse. If i make a profession of faith but i never confess my faith. According to god's word he's not going to confess me before my father which is in his father which is in heaven. What's he saying? He's saying if you are truly born of the Spirit of God, you are going to share your faith. You're going to confess that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. There's a preacher in Texas. He worked for uh, uh, did the GM plant, the big GM plant in Dallas, in Arlington. And uh, boy, when he got saved, oh, he said, those guys, man, on that, on that, on that line were were rough guys and he said I was one of the rough guys and he said when I got saved he said he said God began to work in my heart and they had this great big barrel of pornography a big barrel full of pornography that the men would go over and look at and he went and got a a big container of oil and he poured oil over all of those magazines wow did he get the attention of the men And these men were so mad at him, they could hardly stand it. Some threatened him, but eventually the men started coming to him and saying, you have something I don't have. What is it? And he shared Christ with them and led many of those guys to the Lord. And eventually God called him to be a preacher. And he's been pastoring for over 30 years. What I'm saying to you is that when you get saved... Not only does he commence a work in your life, he brings you to conversion, he saves your soul, but then you want to testify and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number four, the Christian continues. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I want you to see these verses, they're powerful. Continuing is very important. You not only start off right, but then you live right, and you begin to continue on. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, that's obedience there. They followed the Lord and believers' baptism. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, look at the next verse. And they continued, what? steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. These are the characteristics of a Christian that continues. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When's that? That's when he takes us out. I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. I know I'm ready to meet God, and I know he's coming for me. But until he comes, until he comes for me, amen, until he comes for me, until he comes for me, I want to continue. I I found a verse this morning in my devotions, and I'd read it many times, but it it just jumped right out at me. And it talked about Paul going through and visiting the churches that he'd preached the gospel in and seeing how they do and I got thinking about that there's nothing that thrills in and I'm more than to go back to a church we've been to and you still see those same faithful people they continue they continue on they grow they mature they get excited they serve they labor They get involved. They want to see their church grow. They want to reach the world for God. It's like the preacher that finally got on the radio, and it was a little station that only reached like just just, uh, Minster, just the town of Minster. But he finally got on the radio, and he would wanted to do this for years, and he finally got on, and he got on that radio station, and he said, Hello, world. He was really only reaching Minster, but... He had a vision for the world. You know, many Christians don't have a vision for the world. You know what their vision is about? Themselves. That's a small vision, isn't it? When we live just to please ourselves, well, I've got my ticket to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Thank the Lord for that. But then nothing's done in continuing. It's more than just going to church, it's more than just witnessing. It's more than just reading your Bible. It's the joy of doing all of that. Many Christians live the life, but they don't live the abundant life. There's a difference. I like the abundant life, and I don't like just getting by. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want to be happy in all seasons. I want to do whatever God wants me to do without reservation. But I can't do that without God's power. I am powerless without God and his power upon my life. Oh, what a beautiful thing when we continue. There's other verses about that as well. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have what? Continued. But they went out, that I might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews that believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He said, if you continue on, you're revealing that you want to be taught the word of God. You're a disciple. We have a lot of Christians, but not a lot of disciples. May God help us with this. May God help us with this. Number 5. Communicating. A believer communicates. Paul told the church in Galatia in chapter 2 verse 2 he said I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. I communicated the gospel. A group of pastors and I in New York City started what was called the Fundamental Baptist Forum, and it was a group of uh, 12 preachers in the tri-state area, the Greater New Jersey, uh, New York City, uh, Long Island and Stanton Island, that, that whole area. Thousands of people listen. and we started a program there to reach people. It was amazing. We communicated the gospel. People got saved. People started coming to our churches. We had a man come to our church. Walter Strange was his name. He walked in, the, he, was, he, he worked on the New York Stock Exchange. Sharp guy. Come walking in, lived in a very exclusive area down near Manhattan. He comes walking in, I mean, dressed, I mean, sharp, sat down. I went back to him before the service, and I said, I'm Brother Knickerbocker. He said, I know who you are. I listened to you on the radio on the Fundamental Baptist Forum. I finally decided to come. I said, great, I'm so glad you're here. When the invitation was given, he came right to the altar. It, it was like it was like he you knew he was there to get saved. He come walking down, and he got down, and he knelt down, and just on his knees like this. So I went over to him, and I said, Walter, why did you come? He said, I came to get saved. I said, are you sure? He said, well, I wouldn't be down here on my knees unless I was sure. And he got saved. (laughs) What I'm saying to you, we communicated the gospel. He heard it on the radio. He came and got saved. When he died, his wife called me. She never accepted Christ. But his wife called me and said, Walter passed away. I knew he was very sick. And uh, he passed away within six months of his salvation, by the way. And uh, she said, uh, uh, Walter wanted you to, to speak at my funeral. And this was a big, the Church of the Resurrection. There were 500 people that came there every morning just for mass. Not counting the, the funeral party that was there. There were 500 of them. It was, the place was packed. And uh, the Roman Catholic priest said, uh, Reverend Knickerbocker's here, and he's been asked to say a few words. And so I got up there and I said, uh, I'm a friend of Walter Strange. Um, he was listening to our program on WMCA every Wednesday night, and I gave the call letters and everything. You know what, you know what after the service, now my wife said, get a big fistful of tracks and put them in your pocket. When when I when the funeral was over and I gave his testimony, how he got saved, when the funeral procession was done, we walked out, I was Swarmed by people that wanted that, wanted a track. Now that's what the power of a changed life does. His best friend came up to me and said, You saved Walter's life. Well, I said, Jesus saved Walter's life. He goes, Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. He said, Walter was different after he got saved. And he said he was ready to meet God, too. He was a totally different person once he got saved. See, Jesus changes us, doesn't he? And he wanted, and he communicated the gospel to his friends. All those tracks I had in my hand were gone. Within a few minutes, we were just passing them out. The hands were coming after me like this. i put just put it in their hands like that. There was a hunger for God because of what they had seen in one man's life. I think that's beautiful. Oh, we must communicate the gospel. The Bible says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I know a pastor in Texas, or or rather in naples florida starting a new church down there he said dan i have committed myself to every day give the gospel out to people and i thought man do you realize how many christians and even preachers don't do that oh we must have a hunger to communicate the gospel to a lost and dying world you say they'll get tired of me no they won't they'll probably start getting saved you know, there was these people on a bus ministry that were went out and uh, were visiting in the community. And they picked up these two kids, a uh, brother and sister, and they came to church. Well, they got saved. So mom was a little concerned about what was going on with her kids, so she jumped on the bus. She got saved. Then they came by every Saturday to make sure they were going to ride the bus. And they'd always come by and see the daddy. Well, he got to the place where he was hiding on him if he could do it. And they'd hunt him down. They'd find him under a car working on a car or something they'd come around they'd go down to the basement where he was and they, we want you to come guess what 52 weeks later that's a year he finally came got saved God called him to preach and he's pastoring the friendship bible baptist church in friendship new york i preached for him just last summer I'm simply saying to you that we must communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number six, we must contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. You say, contend, doesn't that mean fighting? Uh, No, that means defending. Uh Defending the faith. We are set forth as the defense of the gospel, we are responsible to proclaim the truth. Amen. Did you know a lot of people believe that all religions lead to heaven? There was a lady that went to the post office, and she's talking to the postmaster, and she said, you know, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And he goes, lady, lady. He said, all the, all the roads in our community lead right to the post office. Just like that, all religions lead to God. She said, we ain't going to the post office. I'm talking about heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's exclusive. You're going to have to defend that. Oh, you just think you're right all the time. No, we're just forgiven. Amen. We were lost, but now we're found. We were on our way to hell, but now we're on our way to heaven. Amen. Thank God what he's done for us and I must say to to you that we must contend for the faith there are people all over this world that, that have their philosophy of life philosophy means what you think you're not to live according to your philosophy it doesn't matter what you think it doesn't matter what this world thinks it doesn't matter what the devil thinks it's what God's word says Amen. It's what God's word says, right? So your philosophy should always come out of your theology. What does God say? That's what I'm to believe. And so when people come against God's word... We are the one that contend for God's word. Let me give you the verse. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So we must stand up for truth. Now I want to tell you how you'll do that. When you talk to somebody that's not saved and you begin to share with them the gospel, they may have a resistance toward you. That's no big deal. You just give them God's word. If you had 10 major scriptures that you've memorized, you could debunk any argument against God with 10 scriptures. And we must know the word of God so that we can share the word of God and contend for the truth of God's word. Is it true we have to get people lost before we can get them saved? Yes or no? They've got to be lost before they know they need a savior, right? The Word of God will bring them to a lost condition. And then it's the Word of God that will save them. And then it's the Word of God that will develop them into faithful Christians. Number seven. It's going to conclude soon. The service is going to end, isn't it? It's going to be done. It'll be another service in the record books. But we go on. We go on to the next service tonight. But your life is going to conclude someday, and it's going to be done. It's going to be over. I was thinking Chris's mom and dad, you know, they passed away so soon. We weren't expecting that, right? And then you're going, they were just here. They seemed to be doing fine, and then all of a sudden, gone. Well, your life's going to be just like that. Only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. Amen. Amen. And I think that my life, I'm on borrowed time. I had a blood clot in my left leg, went up into my heart, then went into my lungs. I should have died. But God said, no, no, not yet. So every day is an extra day. Amen. Now listen, how much longer do you have? Do you know? We need to make every day count. We need to make every day count. We need to continue on and serve the Lord and labor and confess our faith and tell others about Jesus and contend where we need to. But we must, as as children of God, as born-again believers and members of uh, Calvary Chapel Baptist Church, we must continue until that day that the Lord says, you're done. You're done. Oh, listen, we can't make up for, well, I guess we could make up for lost time. Maybe... If a real revival broke out in your heart, you would make up for lost time. And we could make up for lost time. But one day there's not a chance. To be absent from the body to those that are saved is to be present with the Lord, which is far better, by the way. Oh, let us prepare. Let us ask God to speak to our hearts in this message. Let's pray together. Let's all stand together, if you would. I first of all want to make an appeal to you that maybe were thinking while I was preaching, boy, I don't know if I'm really saved. I have a question about it.